tonight or today or this afternoon when you're watching this episode. This is a TylerBloyer.com special uh, interview and a special guest, special guests on this show tonight. Um, I think this is going to be an interesting piece of content compared to what I've been doing in the recent past. Um, I've had interviews on this show before. I used to really try to focus on finding out what other people were up to and their solutions and what they're doing in the world. And then I had to go on my own little hiatus from that and sort of go the opposite direction and really figure out what I was doing in this world. And I took a break from interviews. We've had people on recently from the autonomy realm known as Chris McMillan, who's got the channel Truth Conduit, as well as people like David Whitehead. And we plan to have, or I plan to have, uh, continually uh, bring on more guests like this in the future. I have a list of people that I want to bring on and have them share their information and keep repeating guests and things like that and spice up the channel a little bit, as well as just work on my own skill set of the technical side of that and getting content out there. So tonight is kind of a reintroduction back into opening up a little bit more to the community, the wider community here, uh, here where we've moved. As if you've been watching some of my local walk and talks that I've done recently, we're trying to network and grow our local community um, strength and strengthen our family and then beyond that out hopefully into the community. And uh, we'll get into that a little bit tonight on talking about mutual aid networks and alternative things. So just a big prefrontal warning on this whole thing that we could get into some alternative information, things that aren't talked about necessarily in the mainstream. And we try to keep an open mind in these parts and uh, in the autonomy server or to call it a server is sort of uh, not giving it what it deserves. Really the university of reason is what we have in common here. Uh, Rod Williams, uh, Michael Pendergrast and Cassandra Burt, who's a little shadow hosting here tonight for me, uh, filling my usual role. (laughs) Um, But the university of reason and in that the autonomy course is where we all have in common and we're going through that together. Of course I've done season two and these guys can update you with where they've entered the course or their little journey there if they'd like to. Um, But we all do centrally communicate through there and we've discovered great channels of communication with people who have really got interesting information to share and Michael is one of those people who I've got the um, I've been honored to be in his presence and hear some of the information that he's sharing uh, with the world really is the goal in the end Um, but right now Michael is sort of going on his own journey that he's starting out seems like a very interesting person Uh, someone that I wanted to bring on, and Rod Williams as well. He's a very unique individual in autonomy, as most people are in that group, and he has interesting insights, and we've also been in conversation with Michael and Rod and I, and so we felt like it was a good opportunity one day to uh, spark up an invite for an interview, and Rod was able to join. Luckily, today he messaged me sort of last minute, saying, hey, can we still get in on that? And I'm like, absolutely. I'm glad you're here, Rod. I'm glad you're able to join and work out your schedule. Um, so with that, gentlemen, I will leave some space here to uh, give an introduction. Michael, um, we'll start with you. If you wanted to go a little bit into who you are and what your goals are, if that's what you want to go into, 
or just uh, let us know a little bit about yourself and then we'll let uh, Rob do the same. Okay. Uh, it's been awesome at the University of Re- Reason meeting everybody. I had some amazing conversations. Um, my background, I grew up in Iowa. I've been very interested in reading my entire life. And uh, I went to a small liberal arts school in Decorah, Iowa, out of which uh, I took an alternate path from what I had set myself out to at that time. This was about 2000, 2004, those years, uh, where I was able to work jobs in Alaska where I could just do research all the time. 16 hours of research a day for huge stretches of time when YouTube was first opening up and uh, technologies with iPods, I was able to just, just, just to concentrate all my energy on that. And I'll, I'll keep it short and sweet from where it is there. Uh, I'm starting school at the national university of natural medicine in Portland, Oregon this fall. And there's a uh, phrase from the Rubaiyat of Omar Khayyam for morning in the bowl of night has flung the stone that put the stars to flight. Uh, that astonishing awareness of what it is that means I want to explore in the Western mystery schools, esoteric tradition, especially at the Ritman Library in Amsterdam, and how it connects to Chinese alchemy, Chinese medicine, acupuncture, and I'll also be studying nutrition. And a passage I've read a number of times at the, on the University of Reason's uh, Discord server, as well as other places. Uh, I'll, I'll read real quick. Uh, this is from the book Synthesis Remembered. It's a conversation, fictionalized conversation between Merlin and Lancelot. And at the mountain at the end of the world, where the sun bids farewell to the land and to the day, before he presses onto the land of the rising sun. There, a whole nation guards the gate they call a window. It is the last earthly entrance to that unmanifested world from which we come forth as travelers into our mother's wombs. It is also said to be the window through which we pass after our sojourn in this illusion of time. That nation is called Ixlan, and they remember that all men are brothers past all pretense and arrogance. They are the people of the window to the present that is eternal. Uh, the other passages in this book, how they relate to intentionality and in community and communities, mutual aid networks, uh, what what an actual church is, where the most consoling, <clears throat> excuse me, the most consoling of all realizations is that immortality is remembered from the womb. It's death that is learned. And that to go to the energy from where the energy of the womb is coming from, where that energy of the womb comes from, and that's the energy of a church where all people meet, how that can form the center of a community, uh, how that's connected with public banking, how it's connected with uh, unschooling movement and all the other genius geniuses within the human race that are being suppressed how to extract ourselves from the central banking system. Maybe the good angle is the 10th amendment, but, but especially how to make that passage, Ixlan, Ixlan, and that Celtic mythology, the dominant human force among communities 
that then can uh, replicate the same things uh, and become widespread on this planet. So I'll stop there for now. Yeah, thank you for that. And Rod, go ahead and uh, give us your introduction. Um, yeah, I'm Rod. Um, uh, my story isn't as, as exciting, I'd say. Uh, um, I uh, basically started my journey um, on this path um, when I got suspended from college in 2000 and not 2009 I got suspended from college for a party in a, a bit and my world was kind of upside down um, so I just had a bunch of questions and I came across you know everybody's favorite zeitgeist and after zeitgeist there was another another film I came across I forget the name but the main premise was college education is a scam um, and how how is a scam because the government guarantees loans and water it down of the education system and all of that stuff. So that led me on a journey to just continue asking more questions. And every time you think you got an answer, you usually end up with more questions. And so um, I eventually found Richard's, Richard Grove's work. Um, and his work kind of led me to leaving the esoteric alone a bit, mainly because it was I didn't understand it completely and it's hard to express esoteric and then it's hard to prove it right so i kind of went to more factual things and um that was a few years coming and then just recently last year i um got an email about autonomy and it was a richard groves offering and i i you know he earned my trust through you know all his hours of the peace revolution podcast so i was like if i can you know learn to communicate half as good as him maybe i can get some of these ideas and messages out and here i am um throughout that time i've come across a lot of different work um, a lot of different artists authors um, content creators and um so i've just felt the need to um start putting it out um, on my own which i was doing for a bit and I had to pivot, so that's in the process of pivoting now into making my own content again. So, so yeah, that's basically really my story. And I, I'm in the in the family of I don't believe anything I want to know. So, well, I don't disbelieve anything either. So I don't think it, until I know for a fact it could be or couldn't, you know, couldn't be. Everything's possible. Absolutely. And uh, again, thank you both gentlemen for being here. And we've kind of just continuing on the discussion really that we have every day in the autonomy server. Um, but the three of us did kind of get in on some topics and there's a lot we can go into from here. It's like, uh, what way do I go with this? You know, but what I'm going to do is sort of guide it off with a question um, directed at Michael and kind of get something out of the way that might come up again accidentally, but let's just talk about it. And geared towards more from the health aspect, though, and some of the information I know you've looked into would be like the role of Chinese medicine in the COVID-19 epidemic. And kind of start off with there because ultimately, you know, health is where we have to start. 
And uh, that goes for, you know, your daily life and taking care of your body, your vessel. And uh, then from there, you know, only then can you really go on and take on the things in the world that, that you want to do or that need to be done. So, Michael, the role of Chinese medicine in the COVID-19 epidemic. Where do you want to yeah, start? So, uh, yeah, uh, some of the videos I shared on the Discord server already, Dr. Liu Luhong and Dr. Heiner Fruhoff, the fa- Dr. Heiner Fruhoff's the founder of NUNM, um, how they've talked about the role of Chinese medicine and how it's really was able to rise to the challenge of COVID when Dr. Liu Luhong on the front lines in Wuhan with a staff of 200 doctors <clears throat> was able to treat 600 patients and have zero patients get any sicker, zero patients die, zero patients who had recovered were made sick again in any way. And on uh, none of the 200 uh, doctors, none of the 200 staff members had gotten sick. And that was just an, uh, you know, being able to meet a very difficult situation and, and, uh, <laughs> and meeting with that type of success. And then listening to the talks of Dr. Fruhoff and uh, Leo Rahong, where they mentioned using a 1700, 1800-year-old tradition of Chinese medicine uh, on cold damage is the gold standard for this type of medicine. And how this is, uh, in my personal contemplations, how is a society supposed to provide the medicine that's needed for its people? We're really blessed to have this uh, unbroken line to be able to answer a medical industrial complex if everyone at the University of Reason for the most part is aware of things like the Flexner Report and the Rockefeller Medicine Men, the book, or the Molecular Vision of Life, another book. Uh, and then the question comes, what can be done of this, about this? And communities in the past that have addressed uh, community needs for med- over such a long period of time start coming together and uh, networking in public banking the, with the public banking institute, with mutual aid societies, etc., and how people can brainstorm and uh, make these things a reality in people's lives. So that currently the the number one cause of bankruptcy in the United States is medical bills and what can be done about this. So. Yep, I'm muted there on the professional production equipment here. Uh, yeah, those are big questions, and I don't have definitely have the answers. Uh, Rod, what do you think about that? Like, you know, what are your opinions on the industrial banking cartel known as the Federal Reserve System, or now the World Bank and the IMF, and uh, what could be done about that? I mean, there's there's a lot to that question. I know it's a big one, so. <laughs> Um, I think that every, with everything, um, all the things we're going to get into probably in this conversation, is the first thing is education, right? First thing you got to, first you got to, you know, know that there's a problem, you know, like what's the first step in, you know, admitting you have an addiction, right? It's the same kind of thing I feel in our, in our modern society. We have to admit that we, we, we know that, you know, in, in our groups, we know these things, but as a whole, we have to, you know, admit that these things are issues, admit they are problems, 
And then only then can you start to treat them as problems, right? Um, and they're just, to me, they're just different arms of the same octopus, right? The same people, same group of people, same type of people who want to exert control over our lives um, in every way they can. So it's just, it's just that I was saying this earlier um, on a call. Um, we as a hu- we as a human race, and I stole this from uh, somebody, but we as a human race think that we don't have any predators, and we do. Um, and we need to arm ourselves with knowledge and, and weapons and tools to be able to defend ourselves from the predators that are among that are amongst us. If it's our health, it's our money, it's our food. Uh, spirituality, um, all of those things. It's, if you go to the top or you follow those, uh, the arms of the octopus, right? It all goes to the same, same group. So I think first step is education. Yeah. Now, Michael, you you mentioned something there that you know a lot of people might just hear and wonder what was that and. I just want to kind of go back and touch on it. When you say Rockefeller medicine, can you describe a little bit about that or why, you know, why is that something that people should look into or what do the Rockefellers have anything to do? I thought that was an oil company, you know, I mean, sure. Other than yeah, just assume the, everybody knows, let's go into that a little bit. If you, if you don't sure. mind. Yeah. The Corbett documentary, uh, oligarchy that is on James Corbett's site is a good thing to watch, but uh, the Rockefellers definitely were able to steer medicine away from the naturopathic natural solutions and, or, and toward uh, allopathic medicine. And it's been a, uh, a long-term strategy of theirs and is one of the reasons why medical bills are the largest cause of bankruptcy in this, in this country, in the United States. Uh, they're very much about trauma-based approaches to society so that they can control people through trauma, unfortunately. And this is a, uh, I see this oriental, oriental uh, classical Chinese medicine as a very real solution to what it is that they've, what, the, what it is they've done. If people aren't familiar with this, uh, that documentary of James Corbett's is a, a good place to start. Yeah, that's uh, how big oil conquered the world and why big oil conquered the world, I believe. And yeah, I would definitely check those out as well. Um, those are not just telling a story of oil. I'll spoil that for you. Um, but it's like this really key part of the understanding in the puzzle. And uh, on top of that, Corbett's work on Bill Gates ties in. And uh, it, it's the same chain if you follow those three in a row and watched, you know, how and why big oil conquered the world along with the series on bill gates uh it shows you that that we're operating up against a worldview and it's not necessarily kind of my viewpoint these days is it's not necessarily just a doctor evil person sitting there twiddling their thumbs putting freaking lasers on sharks heads although this kind of stuff does go on uh maybe not to that extent but more or less like you're battling in a, a worldview paradigm or a, a way of looking at humanity or looking at reality. And they have, you know, a certain underlying belief system that then is built. There's logic built on top of that that comes to certain conclusions. And so 
it, it is important to understand that you're not just battling like pure evil, although I do think that it manifests in this way um, when things, you know, go down in a certain way then that like the end results are a form of evil or you could call it evil and I'd be fair to me. Uh, but it's not necessarily that their worldview doesn't align with what they're doing. I mean, if you take it logically back to where they're underpinning, I don't know my phone's doing notification noise. I've never heard it do before. <laughs> um, all of a sudden I'm gonna turn that down, but uh, there we go. You know, that's what I think is an important key to to know what you're up against is not um, necessarily uh, out of this world, although it could be, and we can go into that too. Um, or I, I, I could add something real quick, Tyler, if that's yes, okay. Yes, jump right in. Uh, I'd say that whatever people think of whoever it is who's behind the central banking structure, which is a cut and dry uh, ink and paper reality, is that that their spirit is a spirit of uh, selling their soul for time, language, tools, weapons, and dominance. And uh, the way that they want the general population and the spirit within the general population to be is to think that greed is a virtue in order to overcome an unacknowledged fear of death. That uh, they can, once that's programmed into the general population, they can get people to do a lot of what it is that they need done for them. And so a lot of people as communities, we need to look at ourselves for the solutions and uh, not just some of these older structures that have been been around in the, the world for a while. It's not, you know, maybe not completely necessary to get into those all the time, but to touch base and understand that that's what they are. And uh, enlightenment is the opposite of greed. Enlightenment is the unwinking vigilance of ecstasy. Ecstasy is the only dependable motive of conduct. Ecstasy means to stand outside yourself and look within. And no one can do that for you. That's why we want uh, communities that are co-autonomous and not codependent. The whole, cent- the whole central banking system wants to make communities codependent. And with the realization that to put a person or people into a state of total need is evil. However, other people want to use the word evil. That is an evil thing to put another person in a state of total need and total dependence. And that's the whole purpose of having a central banking system. Any empire in history, what it has been is, is a a vast conspiracy for the material benefit of a few people. Any empire has been that. And that's what the central banking system is. They're putting people in a state of dependence using trauma-based mind control and uh, for, their, for the benefit of their small group of people, whoever it is that's behind that. And these solutions like mutual aid societies, public banking, they're certain that they work. We can, I don't know if we want to put uh, hyperlinks on, along with this video and uh, mm-hmm. um, oh, people, yeah. people can see the historical g- examples of why it is that these things aren't brought up because any empire has to trick a person into giving that people's responsibility to the people at the center of the empire. I mean, just think about thousands of years ago when empires are fighting over resources, when the the human population is at a small fraction of what it is today. 
they didn't need to be fighting over resources. They're under different types of divide and conquer techniques, primitive type thinking, uh, and then being manipulated by masters of deceit as a grammatical term, I think is important to be at least people be aware of that phrase, masters of deceit. And they're very good at what it is they do. But even more important to focus on the, uh, the solutions to these things because uh, communities that come together, are, it's certain that these things can work. I, one, some of the conversations we've had on Discord are uh, uh, intentional communities as referenced in the book Synthesis Remembered, especially the chapter in t- t- titled Community, that it would take me, I would have to read the entire chapter to get the point across. So I'll just stop from there. I'll uh, let you, you, either one of you take the reins here at this point. What's your response, uh, if you have anything to add to that? Yeah, well, now greed and uh, other things like that. You mentioned the 10th uh, commandment earlier. Do you want to remind us what the 10th commandment is? Uh, the 10th amendment, yes. It's uh, what doesn't specifically belong to the um, oh, you said uh, federal amendment. <laughs> amendment. Yep, 10th amendment. Amendment. Okay, glad uh, I clarified in the, that. In the Constitution and <laughs> the Bill of Rights. Um, the, what specifically doesn't belong to the federal government and what's not denied to the states belongs mm-hmm. to the states through nullification and communities can come together. I see as a, 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 little, a legitimate play that people can take is creating public banking networks and nullify the, uh, the, the declare illegitimate the federal federal reserve even if this is a long-term maneuver and what what people would what other people would think about this to make it actually a reality in our communities there was a time when the federal reserve didn't exist and that that can be brought about again you know Yeah, uh, Lisa Manfredi and I had this talk when she did her recent financial chat in autonomy. And, you know, we, we were contemplating the different ways. And most of it does seem longer term strategy. But with some of the, th- you know, shifts and things that are happening in the world, you know, there's there is hope to hold out that there could be a faster solutions available to operate outside of that. I mean, I'm not gonna say it's going to be eradicated and removed immediately. I think it might be the opposite. But uh on the on the other yeah. hand, uh, Michael Badnerick is doing his constitution course in like twenty minutes, which is just synchronicity, kind of. But we're talking about that, and uh, he's going to be doing his uh, three and four episode tonight, uh, or lecture. Sorry, three and four, and then there's Q and A in between and after, and those are available to the people in inside of autonomy. So uh, that's interesting. I'll have to look into that a little bit more. I'm not as familiar with the Tenth Amendment, but. I am pretty familiar with the 14th Amendment. <laughs> I think that might have been sort of where things went a little bit wrong. Although I know that could sound very harsh and like, what the hell am I saying? If you if you look at it from just black and white perspective, but if you understand like the legalese and how the how the legal system actually functions is through uh, you know voluntary citizenship, basically, which is what I had talked with Michael Badnerick a little bit about last week. Um, Rod, what, what do you did you attend that at all or see the replay on the Constitution course? No, I missed. I missed that. I haven't caught that one yet. Um, the Constitution course, so I'm not uh, familiar with it. Yeah, it's good stuff to check out. And he did the the series like ten years ago, 
on it. And I think he's got a much better format now to, to go forward with. Um, but Michael, you have your Egyptian healing rods there, or have you received your polarizer in the mail yet? Do you want to give us an update on that? Yeah, I have a uh, Egyptian healing rods. They, they work really well. I, I was skeptical of them. And then I had done Qigong in China. And when I studied martial arts there and that had uh, opened opened my mind to at least trying them out. And I have the polarizer and my other pair of Egyptian healing rods are on the way, but they've been delayed because of the quarantine. The the rods are coming from Russia. And I just got an email from the uh, company that does the polarizer uh, that I learned about from Dr. Tent. Uh, Speaking to what you also speaking to what you were saying about solutions that are happening now. It's something I haven't looked into very deeply, but who Ellen, it's a uh, network that Ellen Brown at the Public Banking Institute had mentioned. And she had brought up the fact that Mexico's president is setting up a network of public banks there. It's something for people to watch. And if people aren't familiar with uh, public banking, one of the references they make on their site is how during the Great Depression, Canada had zero banking fa- failures, whereas the United States had 8,000 banks fail. Um, and the mutual aid societies connected with uh, Muhammad Yunus and how they were able to respond to the 2005 tsunami. So really rising to meet the challenges, basically coming back immediately as compared to what had happened in New Orleans and the hurricanes there. So I thought all they did was freedom gardens for the war. Wasn't that all, the, all that that is mutual aid? <laughs> Right. Yeah, government it's government everything. Like yeah, it's everything. It as a patriotic thing. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, especially, you know, the, the very deep spiritual aspects I can't emphasize enough and found in the book Synthesis Remembered. Um and and how this uh how this Egyptian religion and Pythagorean mathematics relates to intentionality in a community. It's spelled out within that book and I need to uh, brainstorm with other people as to what it is they think about that specifically, because it is a uh, a very powerful uh, book. So, would you mind elaborating yeah. a bit on um, intentionality and com- community intentionality? Exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> do, do you want me to read a passage from the book? That's what it would basically sure. be. Yeah, okay. If you need a second uh, flip to I, it, go ahead. You know, and we'll, we'll talk uh, about the, that. Uh, oh, if you have it right available, I'll just be quiet. Yep, it's right here. <laughs> you have so it. Uh, always have it ready to go. See that? <laughs> this is the book. The book is uh, Synthesis Remembered. You can get a digital copy online, and there's still uh, copies on Amazon. And. Uh, what I mentioned earlier, the uh, phrase from the Rubaiyat for morning in the bowl of night has flung the stone that put the stars to flight. That's the sixth sense within humanity. Like phil- philosophically speaking, the radical materialism that this that has to exist in a, any society that dominated by an empire is the false claim that the mind's a blank slate at birth and only that which... Uh, only through the five senses can anything enter in onto that blank blank slate. This is um, completely false. The other, the, that sixth sense and the other piece of it is mathematics. 
if mathematics is understood to be the science where we don't know what we're talking about or a sacred science that gives focus to the flow of the divine mind. So it's really a spiritual discipline. And those two things together, that sixth sense or telepathy, communication between heart minds outside the use of the five senses and math, uh, telepathy and mathematics. So this is uh, Canto 14. It's entitled Community. And just uh, picking, picking a random place. Let me see. Yeah, it's about one, two, three, four, five, five and a half pages. I could read the whole thing or I could just pick a random place. What do you think? Whatever you think is going to um, explain intentionality the best. Okay, uh, I'll, I'll start from this, the top then. Sure, go for the gusto. This is, uh, I mean, it's fine to read the whole thing. Okay, yeah. Time is uh, 6th century BCE. Place is Memphta, Giza Plateau, the pyramids, and Personae, or Pythagoras. Three characters, Pythagoras, Ankin, who is a pyramid mechanic, and Emerus Mordun is a druid, which is, who is also actually Merlin. Merlin Emerus Mordun. So Pythagoras, a priest of Ptah has recommended I talk to Ankin. Would that be you, Ankin? Yes. Are you Pythagoras? Pythag- and Rod, would you mute? Would you mute your microphone for during this? Thank you. Ankin. Yes. Are you Pythagoras? Pythagoras. The very same. And this is my friend and associate, Emerus Mordun, who comes to us from Albion. Ankin. Are you a Druid, Reverend Sir? Emerus. Yes, I am one of the, those Boreans, Northerners, who finds wisdom in the oak tree. Ankin, we are not favored with many trees in our land. I understand that you are also seek wisdom in the stones, and we have plenty of those. Pythagoras, well, that's a good start on why I want to talk to you. Ankin, perhaps it's not really about trees and stones that we want to speak, but about the flow of energy that manifests itself in them. And as a quick footnote, the dream of the power that manifests the universe, the manifesting power of the universe is uh, nature. The source of all being is, is better described by what it does than by what it uh, is. And it's called the manifesting power because it manifests the universe. Ecstasy is the love of God or the uh, motive of the manifesting dream. Ecstasy means to stand outside yourself and look within. And human love is the magnetism of the attraction of the manifesting dream. God, specifically, I would use the language. It's you have fire, earth, water, and air, and then ether, spirit, etheric. God is the etheric, non-spatial, non-temporal, pre-universal universe. Uh, so continuing on. And that's, I think you need a history of philosophy before you have a philosophy of history. And that's, that's what you see with all the manipulations that are taking place, especially with, with these riots. Uh, there are people who have good intentions, but why it's being, they're being taken over. And uh, specifically the book, Fire in the Minds of Men, by the former head, head librarian of the Library of Congress, and how it was occult society, secret societies, manipulating the French Revolution. You see the same thing. Moving on, I'll read again. Perhaps it's not really about trees and stones that we want to speak, but about the flow of energy that manifests itself in them. Pythagoras, the priest of Ptah with whom I spoke told me that you, and he have different ways of looking at things because he calls energy spirit and gets mixed up with gods, a thing you fight shy of. Ankin, 
yes, I know that priest very well. While, while we disagree about a lot of things, we really are good friends. While I confess that everything appears to be alive, I would rather not express it in terms of gods because gods are too frightening and fear messes up reason. Amorous. Might you say those who favor the gods, the gods favor? We have that problem too. Energy and spirit? I may want a, tree, a three-cornered hat, a triskel. We druids have a symbol we call a triskel. It means three rays from one source. We refer to these three rays as energy, life force, and consciousness. Pythagoras. How would you explain them in other words? Amorous. Energy is the power of flow. Spirit is the flow of life force. Consciousness is flow that is aware of itself flowing, or so we surmise. Pythagoras. I want to make one thing clear. I am investigating these matters because of my interest in an agora, or intentional community. I am planning such a community in Italy at Croton. I hypothesize that the structure of buildings and the structure of communities have a lot in common, and we should be able to use mathematics to examine and illuminate that comparison. Amorous, I think you Greeks call yourself Hellens. Do you not? Teclans. Hot teclans. Pythagoras, yes, indeed. Amorous, that word hot teclan comes from our word teclan, pronounced teclan or hot teclan. Teclan means a community of people who live in search of unanimity among themselves, Pythagoras. Perhaps you are reverting to your origins. So I think that's a mistake. People have looked at democracy as a, as a form of tyranny of the majority rather than the understanding of the unanimity within a group. Uh, Pythagoras, I would be delighted to discover that that is true. Ankin, so shall we discuss how pyramids are connected to all this? Emrys, certainly if we can also discuss how devas are connected to the pyramids mathematically. Ankin, deva, isn't that a Persian word? Emrys, I think so. We use it to describe sonic or telluric energy that spins up out of the earth in certain places. Pythagoras, I would say everything we are talking about relates to spin. Heliacal, rising and vertiginal spin, stars, planets, spires, and auras. Ankin, and pyramids, I might add. Our pyramids are a bit squared off. But in Mesopotamia, they are in spiral form. The Assyrians call them zikaratu. I call them ziggurats, or conical spin pyramids. Pythagoras, I am sure you know the Sumerians attribute them to their gods who came down from the heavens, gods who called themselves Anunnaki, those who from heaven to earth came. Amorous, I'm afraid, Ankin, that despite our best efforts, we will not be able to keep the gods out of this entirely. Ankin, apology accepted. I don't mind gods in the mix. I just don't like them in terms of ultimate origin. That is my problem with Ptah. These priests want to make him responsible for everything, and I insist he has a more limited role. It seems to me that any name is too small for where it all comes from. Pythagoras. So, Emrys, what does your ma- name mean? Emrys. In my language, it means eagle. It also refers to the pattern of the eagle's flight. It seems that eagles are so big they need assistance to reach hunting altitude. So, that, so they look for updrafts to get a free ride to where they want to go. Updrafts spin. So you see the eagle riding upward in a spin that gets smaller and smaller as she goes higher and higher. At the top, she waits for a signal from another updraft, flies over on the same level, and then up she goes, round and round again. The secret is the signal and her ability to perceive it telepathically. The eagle is a gyre falcon, a bird of the gyre or spin. G-Y-R, gyre. Ankin, two questions. 
why do you call the eagle she and how does she perceive the signal? Emrys, we survivors of the golden age reverse what empire people do. Empire people say the masculine includes the feminine when both are implied. We say it the other way around. The feminine includes the masculine when both are implied. Ankin, remarkable. Do you then see the feminine as dominant the way we see the masculine? Emrys, not at all. We see them both as equals, no dominance. The feminine is mentioned first because it is more fey, quotation marks fey, F-E-Y. That is more intuitive. We actually prize intuition over intellect as being more immediate source to the immediate access to the source. Pythagoras. I do apologize, Ankin, for changing the subject, but I would inquire of Emrys what knowledge he may have of the story of Apollo coming to Delphi. Emrys, I know of your Apollo, but not the story. Please enlighten me. Pythagoras. It involves two places, the Isle of Delos and Mount Parnassus. Apollo, the sun god and the god of reason, was born of Leto, together with his twin sister, sister Artemis. As a precocious newborn, he ordered his mother Leto, sometimes called Lot, to carry him to a sanctuary of Gaia, our mother Earth, on Mount Parnassus. The sanctuary had a sacred spring of gases that gave oracular powers to Sibyls. The spring was guarded by the dragon serpent Python. Labo Leto followed a river of olive trees to Delphi. Apollo, who had brought a bow and arrow, leaning back on his mother's breast, shot and killed Python and took possession of the spring. He then went to a deserted place in order to do penance for killing a sacred creature. There, he and Hermes were companions for 20 years. I think the metaphor is obvious. Reason replaces intuition as the primary guide to truth. Male succeeds female in priority. Empire succeeds democracy as a form of government. Emrys, exactly why we still start with the female. We call our society matrilineal, not matriarchal, because of the hermaphroditic nature of the true cosmos. It is not a question of dominance, but of mutual equality and balance. Reconciliation of the horns of contradiction. Ankin, as a matter of fact, we Egyptians speak of the divine hermaphrodite as the origin of the cosmos or at least that is what my priest friend informs me. He also tells me that the gods of Sumer are not fond of the idea and are the ones who originated the patriarchy in which the male is dominant. Emrys, that does relate to my eagle because it is precisely through intuition that she finds the updraft, but then so does her mate. Both powers are on both sides. It is a matter of emphasis. Ankin, so tell me more about the whirlwind. It seems there is more to it than spinning air. You imply a correlative spin of some other more subtle energy, an energy that communicates information. Emrys, precisely. That same more subtle energy, as you so well phrase it, is emitted by all kinds of spin. Earth, air, fire, water, and the spin of the more subtle energy itself. We see this more subtle energy spinning as the stuff of which all the cosmos is made. Ankin, that's quite a leap, this connection between external and internal energy. Emrys, too much of a leap for most, I would suppose, but if it didn't work so practically, we wouldn't have stuck with that concept in the first place. Pythagoras, do you have an example of subtle energy spin? Emrys, yes, the deva. And this is where your intentional community comes in. It seems there are three forms of deva or helix, cylindrical, conical, and toroidal. Ankin, toroidal, the great bull again. Emrys, yes, it is the shape of a ring. 
It is a shape that such a spin takes when it is beyond the influence of a strong field of attraction like gravity. Pythagoras. Does this have something to do with megaliths like Venus Emerus, also known as Stonehenge? Interesting. There is your name again. Emerus. You noticed. Venus Emerus means eagle mountain. The mountain is the spinning deva, and the eagle spin spiraling up around it helps you find it. Pythagoras. I'd like to get back to what this has to do with community. Do you imply that a community of stones can help build a community of people? Emerus, more than imply. That is the point exactly. It isn't the stones that do it, though. It is the vortex of, vortex of stonic energy spinning through the stones. Did you ever talk with the Silk Road merchant? Pythagoras, no. Emerus, well, if you ever meet one, ask him if there is a character in his writing for water flowing underground. We druids have an ancient connection to China, going back many thousands of years. There is a Chinese character that shows a builder's square over the symbol of flow, and it refers to how two crossing streams of water flowing underground at different levels build a deva that extend, extends above ground. The Chinese are dowsing their whole country. It's called Peng Shui. Ankin, do you imply that people can also read devas just like eagles? Amaris, I do indeed. We are all living stones because our bodies emit a spinning energy that comes to a peak over the top of our heads, our little pointed heads. Pythagoras, I think I see where this is going. If you put people in a circle, their devas join and make a big one. Amaris, exactly. And if you are standing around a chronic deva, the earth reinforces the experience of unity of thought and feeling of all present in the circle. Unanimity. Pythagoras, ah, there's my community and a way to build it. Ankin, I expect my priest friend is going to call that one of the fingers of Ptah. And uh, one of the things at this Oriental Medicine School I want to connect with is legitimate practitioners of Feng Shui. And I, th I think it's the right angle to take to look at that. So it's the energies of the earth and the manifesting power of the, energy, uh, the universe. Nature is the dream of the manifesting power of the universe. How those reinforce unanimity in a group like the Six Nation Iroquois were, uh, nation was doing, where they they would proceed through unanimity of decision-making processes, like the Quakers. And unlike uh, what people understand democracy as today, which is a, a form of uh, tyranny of the majority. Yeah. I'll stop. It, this, is, uh, this is connection to uh, the etheric, non-spatial, non-temporal, pre-universal universe, which is... Yeah, uh, I, I want to go back... To what? Oh, I'm sorry. Finish your thought. That that. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I just I just want to go back uh, in a second here to what you mean by that more in depth on the on democracy as people understanding it as tyranny of the masses, but it's actually I think you said unified earlier or something like that. But I mean, almost like the intentional community uh, word itself or phrase is is in spite of you know the blank slate materialism worldview. If you even think of intention as coming from mind. You know, it, it's like in the flies in the face of this, what you were comparing to earlier, the blank slate materialism. Um, and like, I, you know, those beautiful, absolutely beautiful passage. I'm going to have to read that whole book. There you go, Agnieszka, have to. I will, I will read it. And uh, there's some other people that joined us here, by the way. Um, Agni, uh, Bart, Lawrence, you guys are free to jump in. I didn't uh, let my guests know, but I was going to uh, half halfway point or whatever. I thought that would be invite some other people in. But it, as the story was saying, or the tale, or whatever you want to call it, this uh, conversation back and forth with Pythagoras, the bird. You know, how do you explain that 
the um, the intuition of the hawk as it soars, or however the phrase went. I'll have to go back and grab that passage out. But again, this uh, again, like blank slate. Um, I don't believe uh, necessarily that Kant. If, if just to kind of take it to Kant uh, up from there, and I like how you did say that you need like an understanding of philosophy before you try to turn around and like philosophic or philosophize history um, before understanding the, the history of philosophy. I really like that as well. But um, where I was going with that with Kant, uh, what I take Kant to be saying is not necessarily that all, you know, is completely metaphysical and unknowable. And so there's no sense in having the five senses or no reason to use the five senses to study things, but rather that that's limited, a limited tool uh, to, to measure the universe in and that there's more to it than that. And that should be left for what he, or, you know, I don't know the exact words, but like the priest class or the shamanic class, but that tool or that conclusion that uh, Kant came to was more or less used by the scientific community to justify that, uh, you know, that they should just be left the hell alone and do what they need to do and not have religion meddle in that. And on the other side, like, Hey, well, that we are here and honored and you should look to us to be, have all the answers on the metaphysical or the priestly side used that kind of conclusion that he came to as well as the same thing to leverage their viewpoint. But, uh, one of the wisest things I had somebody say to me once when I was asking him more about the like primacy of consciousness versus the primacy of existence, is it idealism? Does it all come from mind? And he says that those are all, these are like dialectical viewpoints, right? It doesn't need, there doesn't have to be a separation from what we see manifesting as matter and the spirit or energy behind that. So just kind of my take on that whole passage, I was, there's a lot to that. Uh, beautiful. I think I've heard that a couple times now. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll leave that there and let you either pick that back up, Michael, or if somebody else wants to jump in, feel free to go ahead. Yeah, I guess I'd just uh, reemphasize again that the only dependable motive of conduct is ecstasy. And, uh, that uh, a society that's based in self-evident truth is that's a, a a sure basis of freedom and dignity than any society that thinks of uh, creating a, a dynamic where some people are perceived as being better than others. Um, and I'll read uh, a few short passages that I've been reading on the Discord server. Um, this first one is. From uh, Robinson Jeffers, uh, The Phantom Rulers of Humanity. This is from his poem, poem, Roan Stallion. The fire threw up figures and symbols, meanwhile. Racial mist formed and dissolved in it. The phantom rulers of humanity, that without being are yet more real than what they are born of, and without shape, shape that which makes them. The nerves and the flesh go by shadow-like, the limbs and the lives shadow-like. These shadows remain, these shadows to whom temples, to whom churches, to whom labors and wars, visions and dreams are dedicate. And then from uh, James Joyce from Ulysses, preserve a, preserve a druid silence. His soul is far away. It is as painful, perhaps, to be awakened from a vision as to be born. Any object intensely regarded may be a gate of access to the incorruptible eon of the gods. And as a, the angle that 
saying as this science of the sixth sense and mathematics, uh, I think a good place to look into is for people who are interested in it to look at the complete works of Milton Erickson, as well as uh, Gino Denning's work, where he start, begins to talk about the Kabbalah and uh, the work of that I've been recently getting into and listening to uh, David Chime Smith, his book, um, it's called The Deep Principles of Kabbalistic Alchemy, where you have what appears to me to be uh, the most, Alan Moore, as Alan Moore would put it, that uh, <laughs> the Kabbalah is every conceivable human potential. And his comic book, Promethea, is a really good introduction to Kabbalah. People are in, into it before, but a good safe place is uh, Gino Dunning. He starts going from grammar, logic, rhetoric, from the tri trivium to the quadrivium, and then into Kabbalah. And uh, again, Milton Erickson, on his work on the, the pre-conscious mind is so vast that that's, that's why it's called the pre-conscious. The, the Hawaiian word is uh, Amakua, where it's the focus of the sacred Aum. Or, uh, and it's basically a reconciliation between the one and the many. As a spirit, as a community, is, is uh, gratitude is the answer to despair, as far as I can tell. That gratitude to the one whose fullness we receive makes the world go round and takes away all of its problems. As a community, in a, an intentional community, to maintain that spirit um, and compassion to the many in whose emptiness we share. The reconciliation between the one and the many is the pre-conscious mind. And I, I think there's some people that need to start getting Milton Erickson's complete works and looking and exploring those, it's like eight or nine volume. And it is what I plan on getting into as well and seeing how that connects with uh, Kabbalah. Yep. Yeah, would you mind touching on the, the, what you mean about the democracy and that differentiation that you made earlier, just going into that a little bit? Because I, I didn't quite catch it myself, what you were pointing out there. Oh, sure, yeah. People think of democracy as, you know, one group imposing its will on another group. Were they able to bring people to the ballot box and get, you know, more votes than other people? Uh, whereas democracy is actually... Uh, it has to be run at the lowest possible level, and that's the community level governments where the uh, people perceive themselves primarily as the cells of a single organism. That's why I read the uh, Robinson Jeff Jeffers passage on the phantom rulers of humanity. Yep. The dreams and visions, cultures are dedicate, churches are dedicate, because the community itself has a sort of life to it. Uh, and different communities have that different type of life. And that the whole passage of what I read from Synthesis Remembered, I want to explore in Feng Shui once I get to this medical school and explore that deeper because I, I, it does seem to me that in certain parts of the earth that reinforces the feel, feeling of unanimity. Yep. Cool. I'm just leaving a little does that, space. Does that answer Does that answer does that answer your question? Unanimity of heart, mind, work. Okay. It, well, it does, and at that point, I wouldn't even really want to use the word democracy because it has such a certain Fabian connotation, <laughs> but rather just more like bottom-up grassroots rather than top-down. And, you know, it doesn't mean that there's not going to be a hierarchy. You, you could correct me if that's not what you're meaning by that, but that there's right. no, a hierarchical structure, but the strength and the, the 
really the integrity and the virtue of that needs to be coming from the bottom up and, and yeah. not the other way around. Communityism would maybe be a better term. Whatever is whatever people want to come up with. Uh, sure. Yeah, that's that, that, that's the the whole idea that if you give priority to intuition first and reason second, then they're seen seen as equals. But if you're if you're giving priority first to uh, reason and then intuition, you get a male dominator society. Yep. That kind of makes me think about. Um a separation of science and spirituality. Um, and maybe, you know, maybe you have a little more um, experience or knowledge on this, Michael, or maybe you, you too, Tyler, but when basically we had a more, the story goes that we had a better understanding of reality and ourselves when science and spirituality were seen as one thing and not two separate doctrines. It's kind of, kind of what it sounds like separating, you know, male, female or whatever, you know, um, the same kind of, same kind of deal. Yeah. And I see people still doing that. With, yep, like, that's why and I and the, the whole, the whole, yeah. sorry, there's a delay. You go ahead, Michael. <laughs> a little bit of a delay there. Okay. Yep. Uh, I'll just say real quick, the bridge between uh, science and religion is the Fibonacci sequence. The mathematician Scott Olson has uh, some amazing work on this. And yeah, they, they definitely should not be separated as has become the case in the modern world. Go ahead, Tyler. Yeah, that's and why I was alluding back to Kant because I still think that that's still a lot of, even in the alternative community, I, I repeatedly hear, and this is where I, I think even Gino Denning or uh, Peacock, which Tony went into and basing the it seems like a lot of people kind of basing their understanding of Kant on other people's understanding of Kant. <laughs> and if you go look and he had, you know, uh, um, books specifically written on, on ethics and morality. Um, he was not saying that you cannot know nothing at all and that everything's impossible to understand, but rather that there are certain things that we will never understand. And there are certain things that science will never be able to explain was more or less his position, not to say that there's not like nihilism or, um, solipsism coming from an angle of like you can't know anything at all but I see that still being used at that polarity that I think was leveraged at that time with his conclusions by the priest class or the scientific class each side of this community um, to leverage their position and twist his work into saying well see and so you your priest class just need to leave us alone and not get involved in the science at all with your spirituality and metaphysical nonsense and the other side doing the same thing. I just, you know, repeated that a little bit ago, but to, to Rod's point and to your points, that's, uh, you know, one thing I think that's been a big mistake down the road and you can go back and look. Um, and it, the titles of Kant's books themselves show that he was saying beyond reason and not saying that reason itself was useless, but there is understandings beyond reason and reason has its place and scientific, the scientific method has its place. Um, Anyways, that's, I feel like that's important to get out there because, um, you know, there's been recently the Trivium Method presentation by Tony Myers. He's largely basing that worth, work off Gino Denning. I've been through a lot of Gino Denning's work. I'll, I will need to go through the Kabbalah stuff. I don't think I've gone as in-depth with Gino Denning's take on the Kabbalah, although I'm very familiar with that. So that is interesting. Um, tell us about how 
that sort of um, mythology or mysticism or wisdom being passed down through that ties into this new school, Michael, that you're going to, or if it doesn't tie into it, we can just change the subject to um, the new school. If you don't, you don't have to drop the name if you don't want to. I didn't ask you that beforehand, but what is it that you're going to study and uh, hope to do with that information? Yeah, you know, I, I was really greatly encouraged to find on uh, Dr. Fruhoff's YouTube page him discussing these same type of things, especially the he was when he had mentioned the book Temple of Man by Trollo de Lubix and this Egyptologist who had spent 15 years at the Temple of Karnak at Luxor. He also has another book, Temple of Karnak. And how I listened to a conversation with Charles Moore where he discussed the fact that that's where Pythagoras got his knowledge from. Uh, how this relates to spirituality. Yeah, uh, the insight that the best things in life can't be told, the second best are misunderstood because they're metaphors referring to things that can't be told. And uh, the realization, the epistemological realization that it's a metaphor alone that brings knowledge to our eyes. And the right side of the brain is concerned with happiness and how to bring it about. And that's really where empowerment comes from. And the image of a feather being weighed against a person's heart is the appropriate image. It sees the whole universe as a big trans, a huge transmitter receiver where all knowledge is constantly being broadcast to every point. That uh, lightness of heart, heart is the fountain of youth and doorway to eternal life. There's nothing more serious than lightness of heart. heart and nothing more frivolous than unrelieved sorrow. This is a blend between Buddhist and Taoist philosophies. Uh, yeah, this is, uh, this, the, too, using science as a guide, science and mathematics as a guide within that, where we, it's really in the power of any person to be wise, and that we can all know everything without ever knowing why. Yeah. That's, uh, there's a, <laughs> what are we, what are we here for in the, in the universe? We're here to be the glory of God. When we mutually enlighten each other, enlighten each other, we're the glory of God. The pride of the peacock is the glory of God. Uh, enlightenment is the unwinking vigilance of ecstasy. Ecstasy is the love of God. Yeah. These things are part of, uh, a positive, com- <laughs> positive community. It's a lot more fun this way. You can, anything you awaken ecstasy in, it doesn't matter what it is. That ecstasy is going to be woke up. It's going to, it's going to awaken in you as well. It can be a, a squirrel or anything. And you can learn that way. The whole thing with the, the if you watch the, the, the presentations of Joseph Campbell, the mythos series of lectures he did at the end of his life where he's talking about the hero's journey the heroes with the, the hero with a thousand faces that a person can bring forward in their life, something that has never been seen in space time before. And that's the whole thing. That's the whole point of the hero's journey. <laughs> and as a community to, to be geared toward that so that things within society don't calcify. Yep. Does that answer what, what you're talking about or does if someone wants to pick up things from there, I, I can keep talking if you want. It doesn't matter. 
We can always leave a little space because in the post edit, you just cut that little space out so that it's not such a weird space. I really like okay. I'm, I'm talking now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I really like your spirit my- animal is a is a chicken apparently. Um, actually, it's an eagle, but I hide behind the image of a chicken in order not to be so serious. You know, I'm just messing with you. <laughs> it's much easier for you guys to interact with me as a chicken than interact with me as a griffin, right? Can you introduce yourself? Um, cause, <laughs> and then go into what you were going to say, Agnieszka, just a little bit, and then not like a long spiel or whatever you'd like. I want people to know who you are because this will be up on my channel, and I've okay. never had you on my show. So, hi. Oh, well, then if that's the case, why don't I just do this? <laughs> Thank you. Oh, Hang on a sec. Hang on a sec. I'm going to make my camera work. It's not as easy as you think it is. Oh, man. See, I derailed that. I should have just let her go initially and not said anything, <laughs> and then it would have flowed better. Hi. You can cut this out. So the cool thing that Michael said that I really, really liked was, there's nothing more serious than the lightness of heart and nothing more fri- frivolous than... Was it the sadness of the heart? Uh, nothing more frivolous than unrelieved sorrow. And this is, I think, yeah, the, the right sort of spirit to carry forward. Yep. That is awesome. Because what are we dealing with in this life, in this, in this situation, in these current conditions, other than a constant push towards the sorrow and a constant pull away from the lightness of the heart? And how... These things are considered so trivial, <laughs> but yet so very important. And I'm using that word facetiously because we know that trivium is not trivial. So that's it. Tyler? You didn't uh, give us who you were. Who are you? Hi. <laughs> I'm Agnieszka. I'm a psychosomatic illuminator who uh, is also a student of autonomy and learns with Tyler on a daily basis. <laughs> yes, and you will know more about her because I would love to have Agnieszka on my uh, podcast at some point and do some psychosomatic deep diving. Let us know what that's all about. And uh, luckily, I've learned a little bit through the work that you've shared with me with the people that you work with. And so, again, this is a very positive feedback loop environment. Um, I see it's like a vortex, like double vortex, where it just feeds back in on each other. The more you put in, the more you get out. Um, And, uh, you know, more people can learn about that. There'll be links in the show notes for all the little things that we're dropping here. I'll go through and rewatch this and pick up the things that were dropped. Um, I used to take like vigorous notes throughout our interview. And then I realized like, Oh, you can just do that. Like when you're watching it in the, again, in the repeat. <laughs> so, Oh yeah, we could go. That, there was a lot dropped in the last um, five, 10 minutes. So I'm, I'm going to kind of leave it open floor. There's other people off camera, uh, Bart, that if you wanted to chime in and say hello, um, or we can get into mutual aid networks and more of what that is, the nuts and bolts aspects, or just kind of go with however it goes. Yeah, well, I, I just say a quick hello. Hello. Hi, Bart. This Thank you for it. joining us. Yeah, we can hear you. Okay, cool. Uh, I'm off to bed soon, but I'm, I'm really impressed with everything that's going on here and uh, with Michael's knowledge, <laughs> it's mind-blowing. Uh, 
have to pick a lot. I have to pick up on a lot of stuff. And certainly at this hour, it's two o'clock here. So <laughs> two o'clock in the morning. So uh, I'm going off to bed. Uh, I'm going to listen for a few moments. But uh, yeah. Uh, it's impressive. I'm overwhelmed. And uh, yeah, Michael, uh, uh, you sent me the email with with um, with that book you always refer to. Yep, uh, I remember. I remember. Yeah, I'm definitely going to look into that. Um, kind of setting my priorities. Uh, but... Uh, yeah, well, I've been listening to you a couple, a uh, few times now, and yeah, you you blow my mind every time. <laughs> uh, but yeah, cool. It's good to have some people I like you on here. I mean, uh, the knowledge you have, I that's not. Looking down on everybody else here, but uh, I mean, uh, it's quite impressive. And, and what you want to do with 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 your medicine and uh, education, everything, I think you can be, uh, yeah, it's good. I'm sorry, I'm not thank, very. <laughs> thank you for thank you for your kind words. I, there's a the saying that the butterfly lays their eggs on the the fairest of leaves. And that's why I brought this information to this group. Yeah. Well, cheers. Yeah. We've all appreciated it. And again, why I wanted to make sure and capture this uh, little introduction, kind of what I look at it as episode or interview or roundtable discussion at this point uh, with you, Michael, before you, you know, go on, on a journey away from us for a while where we'll not have as good communication with you. And then again, you know, if, if, if this shows you that you'll never come back and do anything uh, with me again, or if you had a great time and would love to come back, that's uh, what the hope was and the ask. But it's, you know, an open invitation. And I, I understand that you're going to be very busy as well along the way uh, with what you've got planned. But we would love to follow up with you and keep keep on top of what you're doing. Um, now, yeah, likewise, the, yeah, likewise, same here. Yeah, the, the, thank you. The question that we asked earlier, I asked like a multifaceted question. So can you go just a little bit more about what that is? I know I've asked you this before in discord and I just don't want it to be vague and assume anything for anybody that's watching this on the type of medicine that you'll be studying. Yeah. Uh, points earlier, but let's hear. The, the gold standard is the Shan Han Loon, the discourse on epide- epidemic disease caused by cold damage. And it's a uh, thousands year old medicine. Uh, it's, I'm going to be studying nutrition. Uh, Dr. Lee Luhong, Heiner, Dr. Heiner Fruhoff, who I'd mentioned before, I'd refer anyone to those, uh, the videos that they have and uh, the National University of Natural Medicine. And I am going to attempt to get people from this school to join the autonomy group and uh, any doctors who've been practicing for decades, if possible, uh, to come and speak with the University of Reason so that you can get the answer from them rather than from someone who hasn't been to the school yet. But the whole idea of this medicine is to provide legitimate solution to the health, current healthcare system 
with medicine that is as affordable as possible, as cheap as possible, um, and as and as effective as possible. It's not a uh, it's not a angle to become a business person whose business just happens to be medicine. Um, yep. Excellent. I was trying to see if Cassandra could have the kids calm down a little bit. So I got a question for you, Michael. Um, I, I know you, you know, haven't gone, gone into medicine, you know, in the field that you want to yet. Um, what are some things that you do? Because I would assume that you are, you know, a pretty healthy, you know, guy now. So what are some things that you do now that people can do, you know, just catching this before you get, you know, your, I want to say certified, but it's, it's bigger than a certification, but before you get certified in, in practicing this medicine. Before I had uh, come back to the United States, I'd been in China at Kunishan Martial Arts Academy. And the joke among Shaolin martial artists is that if Shaolin martial arts is a pill, everybody would take it. It's true. That, so training martial arts was a big part of staying healthy for me. Right before I had left from that school, I'd run uh, five marathons in a week. Um, and so it was. It had really focused me, and that, that's what I'm going to continue forward into the school is this training combined with the, the nutrition. And uh, at the school, I didn't have the, a choice over the food I had. And the different times in my life when I've been on the fishing boat, I haven't had the luxury of having any choice of over, over the food. It's, it's what they serve you. So uh, I wasn't able to take that angle. And it's that the question of nutrition is something I, I would love to address uh, five years from now after I get out of school. My approach a lot of times while I'm training, since I don't have, <laughs> since I don't have a choice is to eat as much food as possible. So physical exercise essentially is what you're saying. You can't, if you, uh, food can't be your medicine, then you should be active and um, as active as possible. Yeah, it's, uh, it's of course, a, a combination of the things. For the school, what I would do, I would, I would do a lot of running. I would do a lot of uh, work with the punching bags on my own. And then in the classes, the shifus, the martial arts instructors would guide us as to, uh, to be training. And they'd be watching the class and making the decisions from there. The shifus at Kunishan were 33rd, 34th generation martial artists. So uh, I let them take the reins on that. I think that the, the school that is about an hour and a half from the school I was at in China of uh, 36,000 martial arts students is, uh, and the students I'd seen that came to my school uh, who were teenagers to, to study and train, the growth that they had in a short period of time was re really remarkable to see. And I think other communities should consider this as a possibility combined with the work of Dr. Edwin Vieira's the book uh, Sword and Sovereignty as a legal framework for this as a, a legitimate consideration for how to provide for the defense of their community. You have martial arts for physical self-protection. You, you have that interconnected with the farmers. I mean, a lot of people, you talk about nutrition and health, a lot of people really don't have the option, do they? Connected with public banking because they can't afford, there's food deserts, they can, can't even afford it. And I think that's what 
an and a response to the uh, central banking system as public banks would provide. So uh, psychic self-defense uh, with uh, trivium, quadrivium, physical self-defense, and then uh, economic autonomy, uh, co-autonomy rather than codependence. Yep. Does that answer your questions, Rod? No, yeah, it does. I just want to ask one more. Um, do you do you meditate at all? Or I know you say you did um, Qigong for a minute, but do you meditate? And does that help at all if you do? Or? Yeah, Qigong is uh, the, what they taught me at the school. And I'll, I'll put out a short little video just to show what it is they taught us, which has really <laughs> become, for me, one of the best things in life. Especially with Egyptian healing rods, being able to hold those and uh, just how it it really helps your muscles relax. Um, Qigong is a ancient Chinese practice that had been banned at one time by the Chinese government because they understood that this was something that would bring about empowerment for people. Uh, I do a lot of praying, and my the the realization that. Illumination means to eagle soar upwards on the wing, wings of prayer. With the root of the word pr prayer is pry, to pry yourself open, to receive. Uh, the, the word is, in French, is blessure, to uh, the wounding sort of blessing, where you, you receive that and you send it out. And uh, that same, that's a left brain thing, which is the left brain's concerned with origin of the universe, what it's composed of, and how to control it. And that wounding blessing is, that's the art of Michelangelo that he used to make his sculptures. So that's, that all has to do with praying. And the thing with that is that it's always immediately accessible. Once you, that illumination being to eagle soar upwards on the wings of prayer, once you really connect with that energy, you want that energy connected with pretty much everything that you do. And anything that's not that isn't, you, you kind of want to figure out how to get it out of your life. <laughs> I guess that's what martial arts is for too, right? In my own selfish way, you know, I, I wanted to get this information down and a lot of your thoughts on this because I'm highly concerned about uh, medicine and being able to heal and take care of our bodies and take care of our families uh, in this new environment that we're entering into and um i'm not of the opinion that things are going to go back to normal um i know that we're being told to just wait until that happens and everything's going to be fine but i'd rather take a lot of massive action to do uh integrate myself with people like yourself and bring this information into the local networks of people who are intentionally attempting to create the alternatives and not just talk about it or not just theorize about it. Um, obviously a certain amount of research and understanding and knowledge of the self and other things. And some of the topics that we brought up and talked about tonight are required before you really understand that you're capable of some, some things that need, are going to be required of us, but then also how to, uh, you know, use your free will to go about seeking and the solutions and then integrating them. So living the, living the truth, speaking the truth, and seeking the truth are, I think, what we need to be doing at all times, although 
it's not going to be a perfect process. And that's not the point. The point is not, well, maybe the ultimate point is some sort of perfection, but currently the point isn't to, to be perfect. And especially if you're struggling or having a hard time. And, and obviously the people here got into autonomy for some reason, Michael, I, I, I appreciate that you've gotten in to help to spread information. I think that's an honorable goal. And I think you're achieving that here and uh, throughout your interactions with us. So we really appreciate that. And uh, like I said, that was my sort of selfish motive here would, would be to help the people that I love and care for to empower themselves to understand and get into the topics of healing yourself or healing, getting help from other alternative means besides the medical cartel as it stands uh, or, you know, like you're tying that back into the banking system, because I, th- I believe either you just said it in this interview or we've talked about it recently, that medical debt is the number one form of debt that people hold, or it's, at least it's like the most destructive towards their future or their, their kids inheritance or anything like that. Was am I not? I'm not taking you out of context, right, Michael? Saying that? Yeah, it's uh, the, the number one cause of bankruptcy in the United States is medical bills. Yep. Right, and so I mean, you could be going along just fine, and, and then something you know most likely is going to happen if you have a small unit or just to yourself, and then suddenly your whole life is upside down and in shambles, and it might not even be the correct method to be using. And in fact, it could be tied back to people like the Rockefellers who were attempting to monopolize the healthcare system, you know, just possibly. And so we'll drop the links to the required materials to verify some of those things, but then also to explore. And there will be a large uh, resources section on the tylerblair.com posting of this. And then as well, we'll get it out to uh, the the platforms that I post to, and then all the alternative uh, platforms that I'm able to upload to. Not because I feel like this is going to be censored, but I just wanted to drop that, that, it's important to produce content and get it out as wide as you can. And uh, luckily for me, I get to work with people that have that mission, just that, uh, what I just said, getting content out and distributed and backed up and safe archived. And so there's a lot of exciting things happening in and around the autonomy community. Um, I do want to leave some space here. I don't want to say like, here, we're ending the show because I say so. Like if there's anybody that wants to chime in at this point, it's now's the cue that you can come off. Um, mute and say what anything about the conversation that you heard thus far um also i'm not going to be disappointed if nobody does do that and so it's not like a pressure situation i'm just take a sip of coffee here and otherwise we'll we will wind it down yeah i guess i'll say real quick uh i was happy that you were gonna edit this in post-production because it just makes me relax a little bit more and uh you're uh statement about your selfishness in doing that had just brought to mind some things um, that the, the, the perfect form of selfishness is unselfishness. And if that's the case, then, then it's not destructive. And it also reminded me of a story. It's a funny story <laughs> of a woman who, even though this would be quite impossible, who the story goes is a woman who had never done a good thing in her life. Except for one time, she's peeling a leak, and a starving beggar walked by and asked for it, and without thinking, she throws it to him, and he eats it and goes away happy. So after she dies, she goes to hell, of course, as the story goes, and she's there pulling away, suffering with all the other people in hell. 
and two angels look down in the hole in the roof of hell and see her suffering there and they take compassion and they say, let's look through her life and see if we can use anything to help her. And so they look through her big book of life and they find the leak and they put it on a string, which spirits don't have any weight. And this string, no amount of weight would break it anyway. And they're dangling it down to her with the leak and she looks up and sees it and she grabs it and she's being pulled out of hell. And as she's being pulled out of hell, she, there's a, the other souls in hell grab on and are being pulled out. And there's this great peepee of souls, millions of souls. And she looks back down and sees them and she yells, mine. <laughs> and the spring, the string breaks and they all fall back into hell. <laughs> That's a good story. Yeah. So I think the perfect form of selfishness is unselfishness. And that uh, blessing others is 250 times more powerful than cursing. And uh, gratitude directed towards the source of all being is clear magic. And that's what we want in our societies, that the most magical of all things is uh, clear magic. Uh, Gratitude directed towards the source of all being is a mycelium. And to connect, mycelium to remediate the soil and astrophysics apparently New universes that are born behave as myceliums. There's patterns off of that. And uh, that's what it is we want in our communities. And we can do it together to make that happen and then have other places see what it is that we're doing and emulate it and come up with their own things and take our successes. And uh, we don't have to be perfect people. It's everyone's going to learn from each other and, and help each other out. So. That sounds like a good place to Oh, Cassandra came off camera. What are you doing, honey? I'm making dinner, but I wanted to say that was a, that was a great story. And I've, I've enjoyed listening to everybody tonight. So thank you. I appreciate it. And I really, uh, that's it. I just enjoyed it. That's it. Just making dinner. Sorry. Thank you, though. Yeah, no. It was a great episode, and like I'm so uh, like elated and happy right now <laughs> that like if if it keeps going, that's fine. Like maybe we should close it down after that last one. That was really good. Um, but yeah, Cassandra, thank you. She's my shadow host, the beautiful assistant there, um, taking care of three children while they're like screaming and banging on the d- door, and I'm throttling the mute button over here. So that was brought to you by her making that possible that there wasn't uh, complete chaos going on in the background. But at the same time, it's a beautiful chaos. And, uh, you know, sometimes <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how to say good trail off with that. But uh, I want to thank Michael and Rod and Adam James, who's here, Lawrence Striggs, uh, Agnieszka for joining in with her beautiful eagle there and then coming off camera. Um, and also just uh, give you guys a sec to say your last piece. And if that's just goodbye and thank you, good night. Uh, Rod, how are you doing over there? Is the sun down yet where you're at? It's going down, but it's still hot. It's still hot down here. So um, I'm sweating away, but it's, it's good. Michael, I appreciate, you know, you and all of your knowledge. And um, I hope in Alaska you get to, to up it a bit more. You come back and. And drop some more seeds on us, and uh, we'll definitely, definitely take heed. 
Yeah, I will. Thank you for this I, I, I will definitely be coming back. And this community is a great source of inspiration and strength for, for me, for sure. Yep. Awesome. And the community he's talking about is autonomy. And uh, we will see about like re-uploading this. It'll definitely be shared out in the community. This will be posted on tylerbloyer.com. I really appreciate you guys. We'll do this again. And I think we'll do more editions of these kind of uh, scheduled roundtable kind of interview slash just central topic discussions. Uh, This has gone really well. I'm really excited about it. So thank you guys for tuning in and thank you guys for joining and participating. And that's a wrap.